You are listening to the Father's House podcast located in Owensboro, Kentucky. For more information, visit thefathershouseky.com. Well, isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Amen. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. He's here, isn't he? He is here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, it's a great privilege to uh, speak to you today, uh, share the word with you today, and uh, greetings to uh, Pastor Mike and Pastor Daryl. God bless you. Hope you forget about this place for a week or two and refresh. That's okay, isn't it? Anybody want to give the pastors a hand again? I do. Uh, pastor asked me to share maybe a little bit about the jail ministry. I have the privilege of being the Good News Jail and Prison Ministry Chaplain at the Davis County Detention Center. And uh, I thought I would share with you uh, the call I received to do that. I had uh, resigned the pastorate at First Assembly of God here in town and uh, actually really felt like I was in the will of God to do that. It was kind of unusual because I didn't have any ducks in a row from that point. Usually when, well, I think usually when a pastor resigns, he has, he has a plan, but I didn't have a plan at all, but I felt that the Lord wanted me to resign. There wasn't anything going wrong. God was doing good things. Uh, but... I was feeling like a square peg in a round hole for some time in the pastorate. Uh, I kept at the task, and that was good. You don't always have to, uh, you don't always have to feel on top of things. Sometimes it feels like things are on top of you. But not that the pastorate did, but uh, so I felt like the Lord wanted me to uh, resign, and uh, I gave the church uh, a month's notice. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was a little concerned because had two, uh, Joy and I had two teenage boys and needed to raise them and need money to raise a uh, family and all that. And actually, I did end up working for Toyotetsu for six months, but shortly after resigning the church, there was an article in the paper, the Messenger Inquirer, that... Uh, jailer David Osborne, he was jailer at the time, that he was going to get a chaplain, a good news jail and prison ministry chaplain. I remember uh, his picture in the paper and the article, and uh, Joy made the comment when uh, she saw the article, we saw the article, she says, why don't you apply for that position? And my answer was, because I might get it. Uh, Certainly didn't feel qualified for it, still don't. Um, but I had heard that Good News was kind of testing the waters here, seeing if there was support from churches. And, and uh, uh, but Joyce says, why don't you uh, apply for that position? Because every time you go to jail, you come back happier than when you went in. Well, as I mentioned, I, I didn't feel qualified for it, and there were a couple 
uh, sticking points that I had heard about the ministry that Good News chaplains are responsible to raise their own support. And that was not really uh, something I, I was really anxious to do. But, uh, and another thing, there was a lot of administrative work, a lot of paperwork, a lot of reports. To f and by the way, Joy is excellent at that. Uh, but I didn't really think that I was the person, or I didn't really feel I should put my name in the hat. Well, in my normal devotional reading, and uh, in my devotional reading, I try to read a, a chapter from the New Testament every day. Uh, Matthew, through gener uh, Matthew through Revelation, then start at Matthew again. I actually try to do that with the Old Testament too, starting in Genesis to Malachi. And so you read a chapter a day in each testament, and you'll read the New Testament maybe twice, a little more than that, as you're going through the, the Old Testament as well. And I like to read a psalm, and I like to read a proverb. But I can't tell you how many neat things have happened just from reading the normal readings uh, in, in my devotional reading. It was about this time I was reading Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, and uh, in Hebrews 13, 3, and this is my normal reading, uh, Hebrews 13, 3, remember the prisoners as though in prison with them. Boom. The Holy Spirit underscored that, felt like God speak to me, and so I put my name in the hat. And uh, I, I ended up getting the position of the chaplain at the jail. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them. And I like to tell people that, in a sense, I live with prisoners. Uh, and really, it's a great joy. I think God, in all our lives, can use hardship to get our attention. He doesn't have to, but sometimes it works that way, doesn't it? Um, well, it took a few months uh, after I put my name in the hat. took a few months. They run all kinds of background checks and uh, uh, check on a number of things with you. And uh, so I've been privileged to be the chaplain at the jail for some years now. I'd like to mention that this church has supported us from the start. Uh, we started in Mar at March 1st, 2004. Uh, we started attending Good Shepherd Church right after we left the pastor at First Assembly. And the church has uh, loved us, supported us. The church supports many missions and ministries and missionaries. And we've received monthly support from the church uh, ever since we started, not only from the church, uh, a, a check from the church, but also there are numbers of individuals in the congregation, in the church family that uh, support us as well. And so I want to say thank you. And God is faithful. Amen. God is faithful. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes you sweat a few bullets, but... need to beat the bushes, but bottom line, God supplies through his people, and we're just so grateful. Grateful to God. 
I feel that the Lord has laid a scripture on my heart for today, and the scripture is found in Psalm 68, verse 5. Psalm 68, verse 5. And it reads, a father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in his holy habitation. He makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. And I'm actually using the New American Standard Bible today just to, uh, and we'll focus mainly on on the thought that God is a father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows. Could we pray? Father, thank you for the privilege of ministering your word and thank you for the privilege of sharing it with your people. We pray that you would prepare each heart, myself included, to receive what you have from your word today. May you be glorified and may your people be helped in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Little boy by the name of Charles Mully woke up one morning uh, in Kenya, woke up in the family's uh, hut or home. When he woke up and the sun was shining through the thatched grass roof a little bit, and uh, when he woke up, he noticed that it was very, very quiet. But all he heard was a little uh, chicken kind of pecking around the, the hut. Took him a little bit to wake up, but he noticed that there was no one in the house with him. He found out that his family had actually left, his family. He was the oldest boy of the family, and, but his family had left and gone to another city and absolutely deserted him. Says in his uh, biography that, that the father pr uh, would pray to the chicken and uh, he thought maybe the chicken, uh, Charles thought maybe the chicken told the father to go somewhere else. It was kind of crazy. By the way, his father, uh, sad to say, would beat his mother, would beat him, and would beat his younger brothers as well. But he was blown out of the water. He was all alone, and his grandmother lived maybe 10 minutes 10 minutes from where uh, they had lived, and he ran to his grandmother's house. And he was freaking out, and he asked his grandmother, what's going on? And his grandmother said, uh, they've left you. They've left you. S Six-year-old boy. They have left you, and she said, I can't take care of you. And I guess part of the situation with the grandmother is there were a couple of her sons his uncles who did not want him around and so they basically said get lost get lost and somehow he got a train ticket to go to his aunt 
to his aunt's house. The, the train ride was uh, long. He, <laughs> he was just totally blown out of the water and he didn't know what he was gonna do. He was hungry and, and he went to his aunt's and his aunt's heart went out to him, but her husband did not want him around either. Everyone was saying, you're not a responsibility. And so Charles was fending for himself, actually for a number of years, from age six uh, to maybe nine or 10 years old. Can you imagine that? Uh, he, he would beg for food sometimes. He didn't like to beg for food. He would try to find work. In fact, he did find work after a while and uh, he, he was actually supporting himself. And it was when he was a young teenager that one of the young men that he was working with uh, told him about a meeting where uh, you could learn about God. And uh, he went to the meeting and uh, he couldn't believe the joyful singing there and uh, the joy that was there and the preacher who was preaching about God who, who, who loved him, uh, was interested in him. And according to Charles, his story was that was the first time he heard that anybody really cared about him. And uh, he really connected with Jesus in that meeting. Well, it wasn't long after that, and he, and he continued to uh, work, work hard in the fields, that, uh, that he went to a city, and uh, he went up to a house, and he was going to ask them if they had any work for him. Knocked on the door, and a servant was there. He said, may I speak to the owners of, of the house? And... Uh, to make a long story short, uh, a kind lady and her husband hired him. And uh, he, he didn't stay with the family. He stayed in the servants' quarters. Uh, but he was a hard worker, a uh, diligent worker. And the, later, and the lady, after a while, said, uh, you're a hard worker. We would like to give you some more responsibilities and it wasn't long before he started working in the house and uh, and uh, this kind lady who was a believer by the way would ask him what he liked to do and all that and so he worked his way uh, up in that family where he was I guess what you'd call a head servant And it wasn't long after that that the husband uh, who worked for a company said, I noticed you're a hard worker. Uh, my company is looking for uh, a person. And so Charles got a job, kind of like a superintendent to go check on the workers uh, and all that. And he, and, and he worked his way up. Still, his family was nowhere around. Maybe every two years they would show up his mother would hug him. His father wouldn't even acknowledge his presence. Well, um, he worked his way up in the company and he actually ended up being an, an entrepreneur where uh, 
he would try different things and he would make all kinds of money. He actually started uh, what is called, or what was called the Mully, uh, the the Mully, I'll call it the Mully bus system, where he actually uh, bought vehicles, converted them, made them like a bus, and he did very well. He ended up being, in time, a millionaire. Well, one day, one day, uh, he drove his car, and, he, and uh, it was, it was a very nice car, very expensive car. Anyway, he drove his car somewhere and he needed to go, uh, and, and, and he needed to go into the business. And there were a, a few teenage boys who were kind of hitting him up uh, and wouldn't let him park his car. Finally, he did park his car and these guys were kind of giving him a hard time. He went into the business. When he went out, his car was gone. And the boys ended up uh, stealing it or letting somebody else steal it. And uh, it actually didn't bother Charles too much. But for the, for the next few years, he couldn't get these, these uh, teenage boys off his mind. His heart went out to him. And he figured that they were probably in a situation a lot like what he was in. After a while, and he was, he, he was a millionaire in, in Kenya, and after a while, he decided that he wanted to not work for money anymore. He wanted to spend the rest of his life raising children who were raised up like him. And I understand today, I saw a little YouTube piece on him. You can actually look this up uh, yourself if you'd like to, Charles Mully. Through the years, I think he's 71 years old now. Through the years, I think that there have been 18,000 children that call him dad. Really a neat story. Well, when you trust Christ and believe the gospel, God becomes your father. Any amens in the house? When you trust Christ and believe the gospel, God becomes your father. I like to tell people that there must be a birth. Yes, a decision is important. It's important to trust Christ, but there must be a birth. I really harp on this in the jail. There must be a birth because Jesus said, if you're not born again, you will not even see the kingdom of God. So just as a physical birth is necessary for uh, life to enter the world, there must be a spiritual birth to enter the kingdom of God. And when a person believes in Christ and the Holy Spirit regenerates that person, they not only have a new life, but they have God as their father. Romans 8, 15 and 16 says, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. A term meaning my very, very dear dad, my very, very dear father. 
And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Met a guy in Target the other day and we were just talking. Uh, and it's kind of amazing the people that you kind of bump into uh, different places that you've seen in jail before. I don't really notice them, but they come up. Anyway, we had a good discussion about about how you can know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved and that God's your father. 1 John 5 verses 11 through 13 says, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. And these things are written that you may know. And so a person can know, can you believe this? Can know that because of what Christ has done for them, his life, death, and resurrection, that he is a child of God and God himself is their father. Hallelujah. Now, a father, a good father, and God is a good, good father, a father is a provider. God, as your father, is a provider. God provides for you. And as an earthly father is to provide for his children, a good father, the father in heaven, almighty God, provides for his children. He does. The greatest provision that he's made is spiritual, that he so loved the world that he gave. God's a giver. God's a giver. Agape love, God's love. Giving what is needed no matter the personal cost. So love is not a feeling. We like to have the good feelings that come along with love, but, but love is actually doing something for somebody that they need no matter how much it costs you. And God has done that. It cost him his son. Justice, his justice had to be, had to be served and, uh, and a life, an innocent the innocent life of Christ, his blood had to be shed. The innocent was punished in behalf of the guilty because of the love of God. God gave his son and Christ gave himself. God is a giver and God is a provider. And so God has given us, if you're in Christ today, if you're a believer, he's given us salvation. He's given us forgiveness of sins. He's given us eternal life. Pastor Darrell spoke about the benefits that God has. They're, they're innumerable. But more importantly than everything that God has given us, all these benefits, is that he's given us Christ. He's given us Jesus, and we have a relationship with him. And it works best with, he, with him being Lord and Master, amen? So it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's it is not what God has done for me. He's given me Jesus and I have a relationship with him and it's all different now. I can walk with him. Interesting that one of the names of Jesus in the Old Testament, Isaiah 9, 6, is that he's eternal father. He's an eternal father, the eternal father. So God, most importantly, has supplied our spiritual need. A payment has been paid for uh, our guilt and our shame. Justice has been served by Christ taking the punishment that we deserve and Christ becomes our father. 
And God meets our spiritual needs and God also meets our physical needs. Anybody say amen? Has God ever supplied your need? like to share a story. Uh, this happened a little while ago, but there was a female inmate. And whenever I tell stories, I just say female inmate or male inmate. It's just, so there's a female inmate and she wanted to talk. And uh, in the course of the conversation, I found out that she was a believer and she shared some, some things about her life. And she also shared this. She said, I have no... Uh, I do not get commissary money and uh, I don't always have the items I need for hygiene, uh, shampoo, soap, toothpaste. And so she said, I ask other gals in the cell if I could have some of their shampoo, toothpaste, whatever. And she said, they will give it to me they will help me, but they always kind of hold that over my head and expect me to do maybe some little favors for them because they've done a favor for me. Or they do favors for me. And I just had some thoughts, you know, I just had some thoughts and, 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 and a feeling in my belly. It's interesting when you talk to people, you know how it is. If you talk to people, God kind of gives you the words of what to say. And there's no cookie cutter, there's no cookie cutter answer. I mean, it's just kind of amazing. You visit with people and you just see how the Spirit of God takes a conversation. So when, anyway, when she shared that the ladies held it over her head because of giving her some things, I told her this. I would tell no one my needs except God and God alone. Now, let me say, it's not wrong to ask people for things. And I told her that. It's not wrong, but I just encouraged her. I said, I wouldn't tell anybody anything except God. Tell him what you need and ask him to provide for you. Well, a week or two had passed, and uh, she wanted to talk again. And she comes in the office. She, she came in the office just beaming from ear to ear, just big smile on her face. She sat down and she says, oh, I wanna tell you what my heavenly father has done for me. He has supplied my need. And she went on to say that an uncle that she hadn't heard from for years had put $200 on her, on her commissary account. But with her, it was, oh, let me tell you what my heavenly father did for me. He supplied my need. Saw her a couple of weeks later, and she said, uh, I saw her in the hallway. She says, I want to tell you again, uh, my Heavenly Father did something else. I got $40 just the other day, too. So, so I, told her, uh, <laughs> I told her, I would imagine nobody can tell you that God doesn't hear and answer prayer. I like to say a person with an experience is never at the mercy with a person with an argument, by the way, as well. Yeah. So God can supply our needs. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow. They do not plant seeds. They do not reap. They do not harvest. They do not get their food all lined up in a barn. But Jesus said, your heavenly father feeds the birds. And uh, I don't know. 
Jesus said, look at the birds. He did say that. Look at the flowers, look at the birds. Look at the birds. Usually a bird isn't stressing because they've got something to eat. They just, on the, they just do their thing being a bird and uh, God supplies and they're taken care of. I've got to read what Jesus said here. Matthew 6. You still there? All right. Do not be anxious then saying, with what shall we clothe ourselves or what shall we eat or what shall we drink? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God will take care of you, won't he? God will take care of us. Praise the Lord. There's an old hymn. Be not, be not dismayed, whatever be tied. God will take care of you. Now that doesn't mean we just sit around and wait for God to take care of us. I mean, like we do what we're supposed to do. It's good to work. It's good to stay uh, busy. God can, God can uh, direct a moving ship easier than he can that a ship's already in harbor but God will take care of you. God will take care of you. That's the fatherless and that's the widow. God takes care of his children. Amen? Amen. So a good father and a good father, God is the best father that there is, is a provider and and also, God is a protector. Excuse me, a father is a protector, and God is the best protector. Amen. God protects his children. Amen. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Then it says this, he, God, will cover you with his pinions. God will cover you with his, with his wings and under his wings you may seek refuge. Amen. God being a protector is like a mama bird. I remember a missions trip that, and I've had the privilege of taking three or four missions trips. I don't remember where this was. I think it was in Honduras. We were gonna visit a family back in the uh, country a little bit. We, and we made our way to the house. We made our way to the house. And it was kind of a simple house like uh, Charles Mully's. Uh, grass roof, uh, dirt floor, and uh, it it did have a type of door, but it was a it it was a door that had you know the the uh, top could open and and uh, then the bottom you know could stay latched. So anyway, they knew we were coming. We came to the door and and knocked, and uh, we looked in there, and it was a dirt floor, but it was the I couldn't believe how clean it was. Uh, swept, shining, just 
very, very clean. But as soon as we kind of came to the door, there were chickens, there were chickens in the, in the house. And, and as soon as the uh, chickens and the mama bird, as soon as, as soon as the mama bird saw somebody that she wasn't used to, she was started kind of going all around the room and, and her chickens were coming up to her. She lifted up her wings and, and, uh, and her little chicklets came, came close to her and then she dropped her wings. You're going to get those chicklets. You got to go through mama. Bird. It's a... And God is a protector. Do you remember Jesus said... When he was entering Jerusalem, he wept. He said, I long to gather you like a mother hen would gather her, her, uh, her chicks, but you wouldn't have it. So I'm so thankful today as God being our father and provider and protector that God uh, comes near us, lift up, lifts up his wings, and we can find refuge and protection in him. So God is a protector. But you know what? It doesn't always seem like God protects. It doesn't. Kind of goes back to Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean under your own understanding. Sometimes it seems like God does not protect. But he does. No matter what, he does. I think of Naomi. I think of Naomi, who uh, she and her husband, because there was famine in the land of Judah, moved to Moab where there was food. And while the family was in Moab, her husband died and her two sons died. Her two sons were married so her husband died, Elimelech, and her two sons died, Malon and Chilion. Those are their names. I think their names should be mentioned because when we hear the story about Ruth, we just kind of read over those names and, you know, well, they died. They died at, her sons anyway, probably at an earlier age, probably her husband too. They died, it was evidently shorter than Naomi wanted or expected. And it would seem that God did not protect her in the land of Moab. But I think it's very important to uh, think and remember about God that God, know, God knows more than we do and he has a plan for each life. And evidently his plan, I don't know, uh, evidently his plan is that some people don't live as long as others. We may not understand that, but God knows more than we do, and I believe that he has a plan for each life, and I believe those who 
may die, may pass away, may leave this world at an earlier age, perhaps we just need to leave that with God, knowing that God knows more than we do, and God has a plan that may not be the same as our plan. And I think it's important to remember this, that the picture is always bigger than what it looks. Elimelech, Malon, and Chilean went into eternity and God had a plan for their life and evidently that plan ended on a particular day for each of those men. So God has a plan for each life. The scripture says it is appointed unto man once to die. Maybe an appointment book. After this, the judgment. It's very important, but so it seems like Naomi, is, uh, her life is just shattered. She has her two daughters-in-law and she's gonna go back to the region of Judah. And she's telling her daughter-in-laws, why don't you go back to your family? Uh, it's been pretty hard on me. Just go back to your family and... Well, we know that Ruth did not want to go back to her family, that Ruth wanted, Ruth wanted to stay with Naomi. And the reason that he wanted to stay with Naomi is because Ruth loved Naomi's God. So Naomi and Ruth got back to uh, Judah and uh, they were both widows. And widows during the time of Ruth, and really in most Old Testament times, widows were not really provided for. Women were not really women were not really given the place that probably they should have been given. So Ruth and Naomi, to get food, they would, they would glean or get uh, wheat that had been cut. And it was actually a law in the Old Testament that the owners of the fields were supposed to leave the corners uh, where poor people could get uh, some food. And so Ruth started doing that, and uh, she, she met a man by the name of uh, Boaz. Boaz ended up being a kin. Boaz ended up being a kinsman redeemer. And that's another story for another time and place, but God, in pla God had in place for family members that they could that widows and needy people could be taken care of because of the, because of the relationship that they had uh, with their kin. So, and Boaz noticed what a godly woman Ruth was. And I'd like to just read to you uh, a little of, of, of Ruth here where she was kind of blown out of the water that Boaz was so generous with her because he not only left the corners of the field, but he had water. He told his servants, hey, give her a little bit more. Uh, 
And so Ruth, uh, then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Well, it ends up that Ruth and Boaz got married. And the story goes on. They got married and they had a child. And the child that they had, the baby boy's name was Obed. O-B-E-D, Obed. And here is Naomi, big smile on her face. Boaz, when he's taking care of his wife, he's taking care of his mother-in-law. It's all good stuff. But here's Naomi, who was a broken woman at one time. She, she, she's bouncing this little baby boy on her, knee, on, on her knee, and his name is Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. Naomi's bouncing the little baby boy Obed, who is David's grandfather. Crazy thing, too, Boaz's mother was Rahab. My, how God uses different things to provide for his children and to work out his plan. Actually, Rahab, Obed, Jesse, David, they're all in the family line, humanly speaking, of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So God is a protector of his people. He's also a protector of his purposes. And the picture is always bigger than we can see. But we can say, I believe without a doubt, that God is a protector. Hallelujah. So it says that God is a God of the fatherless. God is a God of the fatherless. You know what? We all fall short. Wish I could tell you there was a perfect family. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. Sometimes we can feel guilty. I know I can look back and see a number of things that I wish I would have done differently. In raising our boys, Joy Joy feels the same way. We've talked about this. The enemy would certainly want to beat us up about this and uh, wishing that we were a better parent. But you know what? We got to leave. We, you know, like we got to leave this with God. If we've done wrong, ask God to forgive us. If we've done wrong to our family members, we. Fathers, parents, need to say, I'm sorry. But we've got to move on. We've got to move on. We've got to live for today. And the best thing we can do is put Jesus in his rightful place. And his rightful place is actually number one. 
I like to say this. I share this in jail too. Uh, I say we all have many hats to wear. I said I've got a hat to wear: a husband, a father, uh, the the place where we work. I happen to be a chaplain. Uh, and I have a lot of responsibilities and I want to be good at what I do. And yes, I need to try to do what I do right and good. But I will be a better husband. I will be a better father. I will be a, brother, a better brother. I, I will be better if Jesus is in his rightful place. The lines will fall into place better if Jesus in his, is in his rightful place where we take time to meet with him, where we uh, hear from him, we, we, we read his word, we meet with him and put him first. And I'm gonna be a better, whatever I do, I'm gonna be better if, if Jesus is in his rightful place and I'm trying as I'm going, amen. Well, at this point, um, I'd like to invite the, prayer team uh, to come up, maybe some musicians coming up, maybe play something in the background. And we're, we are getting ready to conclude here. God is a good, good father. He's a father of the fatherless, a judge for the widow. Let me just say that maybe your earthly father was not the best father. And sometimes I'm aware of this, that we have maybe a difficult picture, uh, you know, like focusing on God as being our father because just of what we've seen and what we experience. And um, maybe your earthly father was not the best father. Maybe you thought he was mean. Can I tell you your heavenly father is not mean? Maybe looking back at how you were raised, maybe your father or parents, whatever, um, maybe it seems that they were selfish. By the way, I like to say this, and... Uh, expect too much from an unregenerate person. If they don't know Jesus, don't expect too much from them. It doesn't make a right. But somebody's got to be dialed into God. Somebody has to know Jesus. Somebody has to have God as their father. Uh, so maybe your father was uh, selfish. May I tell you, God, your father, is not selfish. He's not selfish. He doesn't do anything from selfish motivation. He does all things for his glory and for our good. God's not selfish. He's, he's a giver. 
He's a giver. He giveth and giveth and giveth again. Maybe you're here today and you think that your father, your earthly father did not love you. Can I remind you that your earthly father, or your heavenly father loves you? And I think this is a key point. This is really an important scripture. Uh, Romans 5a, God demonstrates his love toward us in this. I'm plugged in. My ears are up. God demonstrates his love for us in this. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I think we need to go back time and time again. The devil will say, well, if God loved you, he wouldn't have allowed that. And if God loved in this and this or that. Hey, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that Christ died for our sins when we were sinners. One preacher say, God is nice and he likes you. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you think your earthly father just kind of let you do what you wanted to do and there were no boundaries. You were, you know, like, you know, like maybe you came home in an empty house, you could do whatever that you wanted to do. And I think it's important if a parent really loves their child, they will discipline them. They, they will discipline them. Scripture says God chastises or disciplines the children that he loves. Amen. And so children need discipline. And children who have not been disciplined haven't really been shown love the way it should be given. Maybe your father abused you. If so, I'm talking mentally, verbally, physically, or sexually. Maybe your father abused you. If so, it was wrong. If that happened, it's not your fault. you're here this morning and I trust this isn't the case but if you're here this morning and you are abusing your children stop get some help Jesus can help you Jesus can help you for sure but maybe you need to maybe you need to go for some other help and let the cat out of the bag so to speak wife girlfriend uh, whatever if if physical abuse is going on may I say to you God is not God does not expect you to stay whether you're married or not I believe this is true if you're being physically abused God does not expect you to, to stay there and take that get out of it some way somehow and get some help Maybe you're here and uh, and uh, you just don't feel that you're a good parent.
can help you. Maybe you need to forgive a parent. That doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them. But you can forgive them. And maybe there are times, as I mentioned, that there are times to make an apology to a child, say, I'm sorry. And we'll end with this. If God has forgiven you in Christ, you need to forgive yourself. And you don't need to let the devil hit you over the head day and night, night and day. If God forgives you, you owe it to yourself to forgive yourself. And that could be a biggie. But God's a good, good father. He's a provider and he's a protector. And he's here today. Maybe somebody's father's left him. He is a very present help in time of trouble. He's here. He's with you. And so we'd like to just open it up. If you would like prayer today. Maybe just asking God for, for whatever the Lord has laid on your heart. There are people here who will pray with you. The altars are open if you'd like to pray. Please take to heart that God is a God of the fatherless and he's a judge of the widow. Uh, so could we stand and if you would like to come and pray or to be prayed for, feel free to come. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, let's worship the Lord. Let's worship. You're the wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen. You're too good to not believe. Praise the Lord. You're the wonder-working God. And you heal because if you need to leave, feel free to do so. But if you like prayer, if you feel like God is nudging you to come to the altar, come and have a little talk with Jesus, with your Father. Please hear, please leave here knowing that your Father loves you.